You're listening to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast, episode 92, with Mark Perry Sr. It's all about discipline. It's all about structure. It's all about not trying to cheat it. You can't cheat this sport. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy we're fortunate if you wrestled, because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time and I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. It's a lovely day in the Wrestling Changed My Life studios. Welcome to the show, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Mark Perry Sr., couple-time All-American for Okie State in the early 80s, and then went on to coach for Nebraska and Oklahoma State and is one of the most influential guys in college wrestling over the past 20, 25 years or so. He grew up in the same city as John Smith and actually married his sister. Then his two boys went on to be national champs as well, Chris Perry and Mark Perry. We talk about that. We talk about Iowa Oki State. We talk about training with John Smith. This is an all-time great episode, and we're just going to get to it. Before we do, fan of the week time, and it goes to one of my PSU fans, Penn State fans, on Twitter, at the GOAT follower. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the merchandise order. And thank you for all the good dialogue on Twitter. I really appreciate it. Again, that's at the goat follower for our fan of the week. Last but not least, folks, I wanted to let you know that before the Iowa-Penn State duel, we're going to be doing a fan appreciation happy hour. And that's from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the airliner in Iowa City. I've rented out the front part of the bar. So if you enjoy the podcast and you're going to be at the duel, please come. It's going to be free drinks from 5 to 7 on the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. It's at the Airliner in Iowa City. We'll be giving out stickers, t-shirts. There should be some Iowa legend sightings there. I can't drop any names yet, but again, please feel free to come by, introduce yourself, and say hello to some of the fellow listeners. And that's it. Let's give it up for Mark Perry Sr. Peace! Let's just start from the from the very beginning. Let's start with the origin story. How did you get involved with wrestling, sir? I was actually a uh, fourth grader, and I grew up in Dale City, and uh, I had a PE teacher that basically um, was the wrestling coach, and he came to me, and obviously I was little, and he said, hey, I want you to come out for wrestling, and I said, I, I don't know anything about it, and he said, um, well... I want you to be there, and every day you're not there, I'm going to give you a swat. And so, obviously, as a 10-year-old, <laughs> you're a little scared of your teachers, so I went. And so that's that's basically how it got started. 
Man, times have changed, haven't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Was Dell City a big wrestling powerhouse? I mean, obviously, you and the Smith family are from there, but outside of you, you two, was it a big uh, wrestling school? Uh, oh, yeah. We, we've had several. David James was there. He was Central State's coach for over 30 years. And then Eddie Griffin, you know, who was Central State's coach and Clemson's coach. He was my next-door neighbor, and he was one of my high school coaches. And then Ronnie James was David's brother, who was a uh, three-time Division II national champ. So we, we had, we've had several, you know, and then obviously Pat, and you know, you know that story. But um, Dale City's always had their, their share of good wrestlers grow up in that area. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Oklahoma in general is obviously, it's a big wrestling state. And when you look at some of the icons that are from that, that town, it has to be a, a big program, including your kids, uh, I mean, Chris especially. But when you think about, okay, so fourth grade, the teacher comes to you and says, hey, come to practice or you're going to get in trouble. When did it go from that to when you fell in love with wrestling? Well, I, you know, I don't know what it was. I was, I was pretty successful when I started. I never lost a match till my sixth grade year. Uh, and it, actually, it's um, I lost the last match I ever wrestled <laughs> in, in elementary school. Uh, I didn't lose a match in fourth grade or fifth grade. And then I lost my last match of my sixth grade year. And, and then I went on to junior high, obviously, in Dell City and, and won several state titles at that level. And then on to high school where I had – Howard Hall was one of my coaches who was a college wrestler. And then Eddie Griffin, obviously, who's now the athletic director at Central Oklahoma. Um, and he was he was my coach. So I had good coaching growing up. And and like I said, we always had great workout partners because we uh, had another kid, Dennis Kendrick, that wrestled with me that was a Division II national champ, went on to win. You know, and he was a weight apart from me. And, and then I won two state titles. Uh, back when I wrestled, we only wrestled three years at the high school, but uh, and I won two state titles at Dale City in high school. So that's kind of how my career went to get to where I got coming to Oklahoma State. It's crazy how many programs were around back then for guys to be assistant coaches at or to get scholarships from compared to today. I mean, it was hundreds of schools. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so many. And, and, you know, I was in a situation where – I was going to go to Central Oklahoma and wrestle because Eddie Griffin, who was my high school coach, ended up going to Central Oklahoma to be the coach, and he was my neighbor. So I just assumed I would follow Eddie there, and then I ended up getting recruited by Tommy Chesbro in Oklahoma State. And so when it all came down to it, I actually came to Oklahoma State. I never watched a college match in my life until I got to college. Wow. Man, it ain't like it ain't like today's kids, yeah. <laughs> Not even close. I mean, how many how many matches do you think you wrestled in your three years in high school total? Uh probably a hundred. You know, a hundred and ten maybe. Yes. Yeah, so. Um. Yeah, it's nothing like it's nothing like today. You know, it's it's. I mean, I've been involved with wrestling now almost fifty years, and the way it's transitioned and even the coaching and the development of kids and stuff is, uh, is really changed. And it's, it's hard to believe as, as much as I'm into the sport of wrestling, that I never saw a college match live until I got to college. That is, that's hard to believe. But I mean, I've talked to a lot of folks from that generation and they say the same thing. Like even when I was interviewing the brains brothers, they had never seen Gable live, whether 
like like never saw him in their life until they got to Iowa, which is like, you know, I mean, obviously besides the recruiting trips, but hard to believe. I mean, when I was a kid, I saw John Smith on TV all the time, right? Saw all, all yeah. the greats on TV all the time. So just a different era. How do you think um, your high school coach, uh, Eddie Griffin, like how does how do you think that practice or that development changes from what you're seeing today? What, what are the biggest kind of shifts in, in technique or in how people run practices? Oh, I mean, it's just, it's so much more structured and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm still involved a little bit with working with kids and working with individuals, um, when I have time, but I was at the little kids practice here at Oklahoma state the other night and it, it, it's amazing, you know, and, and I was talking to another guy about the reason the development is these kids today are so more advanced. We got, we got world champions and we got guys that are Olympic champions and, you know, national champions working with kids that are five, six, seven, eight, ten years old, you know. So, like, when my boys grew up, obviously I was involved, but my boys were coached by Jamil Kelly and Daniel Cormier. That was their club coaches. And so, you know, it was a, it was <laughs> the, the development and the techniques and the structure is totally different today, obviously. I played baseball all the way up until – and here I am at five, six, 120 pounds my senior year of high school, and I'm playing baseball a month before I start college. You know, I just, <laughs> I, you know, I enjoyed it. And today it's, you know, I was like my boys, Mark anyway, he was small like myself. And after eighth grade, I said, hey, you got to pick where we're going. And it's not going to be football, you know, and it's not going to probably be baseball at 120 five pounds or whatever he weighed and I said so we need to start focusing on what you're going to do at the next level so that's you know and that's kind of where everything's went today I mean you will have elite athletes uh, like Chris you know he was a he was the number one running back in the state of Oklahoma his senior year but he weighed 205 pounds you know and it, it's a little different when your mark as a ninth grader was 100 and six and Chris was 160 Mm -hmm. you know so um, I wasn't so worried about Chris getting injured or getting hurt and you know because he was so big for his age but today kids you know we they start specializing it and I'm not sure that's a good thing exactly you know for kids seven eight nine ten eleven twelve years old to do nothing but wrestle year round you know I I think they need to be balanced a little bit more in their life because it's uh, parents have made it so important to win, you know, at a young age, which uh, it's really the age they need to be worried about developing more than winning. Right. That's kind of how it's, that's kind of how it's changed. Wrestling's changed is it's more about winning and more about wrestling year round. than when, when I was in high school, obviously. Yeah. And I think if it's, you know, if you're the middle school age kid and the kid's the one driving it versus the parents, probably okay. But if it's the other way around, that's where you start getting into problems. Um, and kids start to resent their parents, start to resent wrestling, and that gets that gets ugly. We've all seen that. Like, how were you with with um, with your boys in high school? Were you actively involved once they got to the high school level? Well, yeah, I was. Um, I was out of coaching. Uh, by the time my boys went to high school. Um, so I was, Mark was a ninth grader when I got out of coaching. So I've been out 20 years this year Mm -hmm. out of college coaching, Mm -hmm. but 
when Chris went to high school, I actually coached the high school for five years. I, I, I went, I, I'm in a business. I own my own business now, so I can kind of do my own thing. So I, I would go coach the high school when Chris was there. So I was very involved with Chris. And then obviously Mark went to Blair and uh, Jeff Buxton was a good friend of mine. And I, I'd met Jeff through recruiting uh, kids out on the East coast while I was coaching and he went there, but obviously, you know, I was still involved with him mm-hmm. while he was in high school, just like I was when he was in college at Iowa. You know, we talked every night about wrestling and technique or. Would you really? Every training. night? Every night. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and I was coaching Chris at that time because Chris was about six years behind Mark. So he was at the high school level, but, um, so I, I, I was involved with them, you know, all, all the way up until basically college. How different were Mark and Chris at the freshman, when they were freshmen in high school? Night and day. Uh, <laughs> Mark, Mark was a, he was a boy. He was just a little boy. I mean, he, he wrestled 106 and he weighed 106 soaking wet. He weighed, he weighed 94 pounds as an eighth grader, so I was worried about him even being big enough to wrestle 106 as a as a freshman. And and so he was he hadn't went through puberty yet. He was just a skinny little kid. And then you got Chris, who you know when he started in the ninth grade, he had already been to the cadet nationals. And Chris was a man. I mean, he had a full beard in the ninth grade. <laughs> he was no, he was fully matured. He went through puberty at 11, and Mark went through it. At 16. And so, you know, when Mark went to Blair, he gained 57 pounds and grew eight inches in 15 months. And so that's what kind of when he went through his spurt, you know, he, he went from 106 to 160 over a, a year and a half period at Blair. So they, they, they were totally different and, and their wrestling styles were totally different. It's kind of a funny situation because Mark was actually more of the Oklahoma State style, and Chris was definitely more of the Iowa style. But really, you know, I, I don't. You know, I believe in wrestling. I'm not so much styles. <laughs> you know, wrestling's wrestling to me. Right. Uh, obviously, bodies and and athleticism determine on what a kid's capable of doing. But in the big picture of it all, it's all about doing the preparation the same. It don't matter what kind of athlete you are, what kind of body type you have. Um, but but they're, they were totally different style-wise. Mark, Chris was more solid and more of a thinker. Uh, and Mark was a gunslinger. You know, I mean, Mark Mark was out there trying to pin you every second of every match, you know. And, and Chris was, you know, more that, you're not ever going to score on me. So he was happy winning five to one or five to nothing or four to nothing. And, you know, Mark wanted, he wanted to pin you or tech you or, you know, he's always trying to put you on your back where he, he made some mistakes. Obviously when you wrestle that way, you're going to get scored on, but where Chris was very, very hard to score on because he just wasn't going to make any mistakes. How different were their mentalities? Were they both equally as intense? Um, yeah, but you know, um, I wouldn't say intense as much as is gamers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew when it was time to wrestle, you know, and so, but, you know, they, they grew up with the same discipline and the same 
you know, what's important in wrestling. And, and, you know, I used to have to fight with Mark about it with there's basics in wrestling. You do not break. There's basic rules, you know, about techniques or positions that you might go, well, I got my own style. That's what he would tell me. No, you don't have your own style. There's certain <laughs> things, there's certain positions and certain things in wrestling. You just do not break. And so they were, they were both, uh, you know, they both grew up with the, the biggest important thing to me, obviously, was work ethic, you know, and uh, without conditioning and without strength and work, technique doesn't work. I mean, if you're not in shape and your body's fatigued, nothing works. So technique's not as important as your conditioning because once you get tired, your technique's done. <laughs> I mean, it's done. <laughs> so they grew up with the same discipline and the same work ethic. You know, I used to, people would always say, oh, they're blessed. With, and they are, don't get me wrong. They're blessed with genes, you know, with my family and the Smith family. But trust me, my boys worked harder than anybody else in the country when they were growing up. You know, they had all that, you know, genetics and the genes and, and, you know, being around great coaches and great people their whole life, but they also worked at a higher level than most kids. I mean, they had, they knew what a college program was like from an early age, which is, which is pretty, uh, pretty unique. And I mean, they saw people, you know, at the highest level winning and working. I mean, when Mark was, Mark was probably too young to see, uh, John Smith winning the Olympic gold medals, but maybe not. Maybe he still remembers it, and so that had to have a big impact on him. Um, one thing I want to ask about Mark before we go back to uh, back to the 80s and 90s is what happened his freshman year in high school in the state finals? I mean, everyone's seen that documentary on Flow where he didn't win as a freshman. I just never knew what happened, and um, if the kid who beat him was legit or he just got caught. No, the kid was legit. I mean, the kid won four state titles. Oh, wow. The okay. kid that um, but Mark, Mark was winning and it was tied up actually. And Mark got away with eight seconds to go to win and then got headlocked with two seconds to go. And he lost. And, um, on the drive home, obviously he's crying and bawling and he's talking about, I can never get it back. You know, he can't win them four titles he wanted to win and, it's gone. And, and, you know, in the big picture of it all, you know, I just told him it's going to, it'll be the best thing for you. You know, you, you have no pressure now to win four. The, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll drive you to, to be better because of the loss. And then he kind of struggled a little bit, you know, I mean, with, you know, being depressed and stuff for about a month after it was over. Seriously, and, a month. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was bad. It was bad. And that's kind of how the Blair deal happened. You know, uh, I, like I said, I knew Jeff and I knew, um, if you watch the documentary Flo did on Mark, he kind of explains the whole yeah. situation. But he was, he, you know, he was, he was pretty bad, you know, and, and wasn't really doing his schoolwork and it was kind of hard for him. And so that I, I knew Jeff and I was recruiting Cord Cooperman at the time. And, and so, I called Jeff and I said, Hey, I'm going to send Mark out there with you and just train with your guys and you, you know, work with him. And, and, um, 
I said, I don't want him to go to school there. I just want to get him out of Stillwater for a little while and let him, you know, get around a different environment. And that's kind of how it happened, how he went to Blair. Man, how, how tough is that as a parent to see your kid as a freshman going through some actual depression? I mean, a month long is a long time. It had to be a kind of a learning experience for you as a dad. Um, it, it, it is. Um, you know, in our family, um, my family, uh, I'm not going to put the Smiths in this category, but um, in everything we did, it was always, now, it didn't matter if it was baseball or football. And I told my boys, you know, if we're going to do it, you're going to do it to be the best at it. We're not going to do it to participate. You know, so you're going 100% in. If it's baseball, you're going 100% in during baseball season. If it's football, so, you know, and it's also, it's it's about winning. You know, to, to my boys and my family, it ain't about second place. You know, it, again, it's, we're not in it to participate. We're in it to win. Amen. And so, and so we didn't apologize for trying to win. We didn't apologize for, you know, maybe not acting the way we should act when we didn't win. But, you know, it's just the part of the training and the part of the development and the part of the mindset where if you don't expect to win, you're not going to win. You know, so my boys, you know, they grew up expecting to win at everything and so you know and you're not going to win at everything but you better have that mentality no question no question yes participation ribbons are not welcome in the perry household no it's funny because we had everybody would come to my house and say we'd have trophies and medals everywhere and they would say we don't see anything but gold medals and gold this and gold trophies. And I said, well, if you want to find the silvers and bronze, go out and get my pond. They're probably all at the bottom. <laughs> and I said, because my boys would come home and throw everything in the pond if it wasn't first. They, they never kept a medal or a trophy. And, and uh, it was a funny situation when Mark went to Blair. Solomon Fleckman was his assistant coach. And this is when he was a sophomore, and he had to wrestle Harry Lester, who was a senior. And obviously, you know, Harry was an uh, Olympian and, and Greco guy. And he was a senior when Mark was a, was a sophomore. I'm sorry, when Mark was a sophomore. Well, Mark went to the Ironman, and Harry beat him in the finals. Um, and then Mark went to the Beast the East, and it was Mark and C.P. Slater, and Mark ended up fourth or something, and he threw his plaque under the bleachers. And then same thing in Iron Man, he threw it in the trash. And then he got beat in the prep finals by Hoffman, who went to Virginia Tech, who was a senior. Man. Um, and so I get a box in the mail after the season from Solomon. And he writes a note that says, as a parent, I assume you want your – son's awards that he accomplished this year and obviously they were all second and third and fourth or whatever it was when he was a sophomore so I mailed them back to Solomon and said if you think I want if they don't want them what makes you think I want and so that's (laughs) that's kind of the same mentality you know is uh and it's just you know again it's not it's not that you know obviously I'm not proud of what they did you know, because 
that's a for me that's a developmental stage anything up to high school is all about development it's not about winning and that's the hard thing for parents to understand you know and when i was recruiting i never went into a kid's house and said well how'd you do at tulsa nationals you know i don't care how you did you know in seventh grade eighth grade i don't care because a lot of that is again maturity and going through puberty and you know strength and and you're coaching you know so um but but that's kind of that's kind of the you know the, the mentality that was they were brought up with you know and one one last thing I have to ask about is I can't even imagine what it's like when as a parent your son moves away at at 13 14 years old whatever it was was that something where kind of you knew in the long term it'd be good for him or was it something that the family kind of struggled with for a little bit well it, oh my gosh my wife it was terrible um, <laughs> um was she just completely was shocked by it oh yeah there was a lot of crying that happened and you know a lot of people think that mark actually went there for wrestling when he didn't he actually went there for academics um because you know i told you he struggled with kind of after he lost he wasn't doing his homework and he wasn't doing his schoolwork and you know i sit down with him and i said son listen you can be the best wrestler in the world and if you don't pass your classes, you're not wrestling in college. That's just the way it works. And so for me, it was more of the structure that Blair would give him. And, and like I said, I knew Jeff and I knew Jeff would watch him and keep an eye on him. And, you know, if you're, if you're an athlete at Blair Academy and on the wrestling team, obviously when Jeff was there, there was so much structure and so much discipline. And then even in that school, you know, I don't think a lot of parents know what those kids do academically there, but at Blair Academy, you go to school six days a week. You don't go five days. You go six days there. And so the structure there was so much better for him and the academics. Mark wasn't a great student, obviously, to that point. Um, but, you know, sending him to Blair for me was more of an academic deal to getting more structure. Mm-hmm. And, he would have never did it without the wrestling. Don't get me wrong. The wrestling was a big part of it. <laughs> There's no way he would have went there just for the academics. But um, it was a it was a good deal for Mark, it, and it, it really was. It, it was tough for our family. I mean, you know, I probably spent forty thousand dollars, you know, for his high school education. Wow. Um, so, and that was back then. I mean, to go to Blair Academy now, it's about $35,000 a year if you don't get financial aid. And so it, it's more than college's cost. No question. That, that was, that you know, I, I was talking to a parent of a kid the other day, and I said, you know, people think Mark went there for wrestling, but do you not think Mark would have been better training with college guys and at Oklahoma State for his last three years or going to a high school. And I said, it wasn't about wrestling. I don't care what people think. It was about his education and getting him to the next stage where he could focus on his wrestling when he got to college. And his academics at Iowa was a lot easier, you know, because of the the discipline and the structure he learned at, at Blair. But honestly, to your point, Blair was probably harder than Iowa in many situations academically. Oh, I think 
you know, a lot of kids, 90% of the kids that go to Blair Academy go to Ivy League school when they're mm-hmm. done. And a lot of Mark's friends would tell him that Blair was a lot harder than even the Ivy League schools. Yeah. Because you you had you 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 didn't have PE or you don't have, you know, you don't have Oh Mac. <laughs> no, no. Everything like Mark's elective was history of religion. I mean it's you everything is a solid basic class and you you went to school twenty hours a week and you had twenty hours of mandatory study hours every week with your teachers. So your tutors are your teacher that teaches that class. So the structure there, it's it's like a job. It's forty hours a week, mandatory forty hours a week. You yeah. know, plus uh, that no high school does that. Plus that travel schedule. They're traveling all the time for the wrestling. You know, absolutely, absolutely. But like I said, I, I I'm not familiar with the new coach. Uh, obviously, as much as I, I've met him, but. As Jeff, uh, you know, I, like I said, I've known Jeff now. I, I used to know Jeff from recruiting, but um, and Jeff was Jeff was very hard on those guys. You know, he's very hard on them, and uh, both in the room wrestling with their discipline and 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 academics is very important to Jeff. You know, for those kids. Yeah, so, I've, I've uh, fortunately Coach Buxton was one of the first people to come on this podcast almost a year and a half ago, and I was at his apartment out in uh, the Lehigh Valley, and I mean he uh, he has some very strong philosophies on wrestling that that I love, and you know even the fact that he wouldn't open the wrestling room door until everyone was ready, you know I love that. Yeah, and so one one last thing here, I I, I keep saying that, but when you got to understand, Mister Perry, when I was in high school, a freshman. Your son went to Iowa, and I thought it was the coolest, most badass thing ever that he went to Iowa over Oklahoma State. And the year he won the Midlands as a true freshman, he was like my hero. So I, this is like, uh, I'm just kind of selfishly asking, when was the first time you thought he was going to go to Iowa and not Oklahoma State? Um, the recruiting process was, um, it was tough for the family. Um, you know, we were still living in Stillwater and I mean, I still live here, you know, I've never left. And, um, but when I got out of coaching, he had been gone for three years and he asked me one night, he got, he, he took visits to Michigan and I, I knew I've known Joe McFarland my whole life. We're the same age. And I actually wrestled Joe in college, you know, so me and Joe are the same age. And, and then obviously Jay, I coached against Jay for 15 years and oh, so i yeah. knew jay he went to minnesota and then he went to iowa and he obviously came to oklahoma state that was his four visits and everybody just assumed he was coming to oklahoma state and he asked me one night you know what would you do and i said son i'm not telling you what i would do i said you moved away as a freshman in high school and you you're the Number one wrestler in the country. You're the Hodge winner for high school wrestling. You can go anywhere you want. And I said, but it's your choice. It's not my choice. It's not our family's choice. And we had a situation with a niece of mine that was a, she was the number one catcher in college base, uh, softball. And she was going to go to the University of Oklahoma. And all she wanted to do was play in a college world series. That's all she wanted out of her college career. And she had committed to Oklahoma 
O-U, which is a sin in our family. <laughs> but we talked her out of it. And she went to Oklahoma State, and they never made it to a College World Series. And Patty Gasco won four national titles while she was in college. And so Mark always said, I'm going to make my own choice. I, and, and that's what I told him. Son, you, this is your choice, not the family's choice. And I said, not my choice. And I said, yes, it would be great if you came to Oklahoma State and you were back home. But I said, you've made the sacrifice to move away from home at 15 years old. You're making your own choice. And I said, I'll tell you what I would do after you make your choice, but I'm not telling you what to do. And, and, and I had alumni calling me, well, he has to come to Oklahoma State. And I said, he don't have to do nothing. And, and I said, we're going to support him wherever he goes. I'm not supporting. I mean, we supported the University of Iowa, obviously, when my son was there. But it's more about supporting my son. You know, so I told people, I don't care where he goes. Trust me, we're going to be the, his number one fan no matter where he goes. And so he took all his visits. And, and like that show, like his podcast or his uh, documentary that Flo did, he he loved Minnesota. He loved it at Minnesota. And and uh, he loved it at, at obviously at Oklahoma State. And he, he took that one trip to Iowa. And just like he said, when he went there, he called me from Iowa and said, Dad, I want to go to Iowa. And I said, well, son, go. That's where you want to go. You tell him I'm coming. And I said, me and your mom's going to support you um, if that's what you want to do. And, you know, it's like my wife said, you know, we, we our kids grew up and we to hate OU, not Iowa. And so <laughs> we, just never, we just never assumed that he was going to go to Iowa. But. You know, it was his choice. It was his choice, you know, and uh, I was not going to push him uh, away and say, you know, well, you can't do that. You know, I said, if, if that's, and, and there was reasons he went there. There was other reasons besides, you know, like he says in the documentary, um, not, not that he, you know, he probably had the best, he did have the best career of any of them, of Tyrone Lewis and Chris Pendleton and Johnny Hendricks and, you got to remember all those guys were here. Yeah. You know, and there was a chance, there was a chance that they were going to have to move around or split up or somebody might have set out, you know, and and, there, and all three of them were national finalists. And then you're going to have one setting out all four, you know, County March, all four of them. And it's just a hard situation, you know, and even in recruiting, I used to tell kids, you'll, you'll hear coaches say, well, you come here and da da da. Well, you got to make the team to get there, you know. Yeah. And some of these, some of these programs like Iowa and Penn State, and Oklahoma State, and you know, the, the, the second or third best guy in the country may be in your room. Hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, and, and definitely back when you know Alan Freed and Chris Owens and all those guys were here. Chris was third in the national tournament one year. Chris Owens and Freed comes in, he can't make the team. You know, so. It was, I mean, I just knew when he called, and I, when he was, when he took his trip to Iowa, he called me and said, Dad, I want to go to Iowa. And I said, then go. And was there was some bad blood uh, within the family for a while, or did everyone kind of understand? Oh, yeah. No, the whole time. The whole time. Um, wow. I mean, it was a situation. I mean, you know, um, he was the only, he's, he's the only one that's ever did it. Um, 
you know, when now when Chris was Chris, Chris was and, and Mark's very very independent, you know, and um, you know Mark left at fifteen and he's never been back. Ever. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He's never moved back. Right. I mean, he he came home for the summer. He'll come home now for a week at a time or two, but he's never moved back. I mean, he's been gone for twenty one years now. So when more he than he's been there, 15, huh? He's been gone longer than he lived there. Absolutely, absolutely. And he loves Stillwater. He loves it when he's back here, and you know. Um, but you know, he he's his own person, and he's a very he's he's very independent. He's you know, like I said, he was a gunslinger when he wrestled. He kind of lives his life that way. He just, you know, he's very independent and he's he's very outgoing. He likes to travel and likes to see the world where Chris could care less, you know, about any of that stuff. And Chris is more focused on just being a homebody. So they're 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 totally different. Well, and I think as we shift the focus to uh, back in the back at your time at Oklahoma State. And to really give people a sense for how big this rivalry is between Oklahoma State and Iowa, you have been a part of it since since the very beginning, in a sense. I mean, 1983, you qualify for the Nationals for the first time. 84, you're an All-American. You end up wrestling Tim Riley, who's an Iowa guy. Your senior year, mm-hmm. you're the number one guy in the country. Matt Eglin from Iowa upsets you. So already there's some, there's some tension there with Iowa and, and yourself in Oklahoma State. But then factor in 1984... Leroy Smith, Randy Lewis. Were you there for all of that? Like, were you keyed in on what was going on with that whole situation? I was. I was. Um, um, you know, in the Iowa rivalry, you know, again, yes, it's a, it's a great rivalry, and it's it was a bitter rivalry, um, a hatred. Um, hatred? But a lot of – oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it wasn't even a rivalry as much as it's a hatred, you know, and, uh, even today, it's kind of the same mentality. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, when no did it start, you happened, think? Oh God. I think when Gable started winning, you know, because Oklahoma state was the premier program and had been for 60 years. You know, and then Gable comes along and starts winning national title after national title. And, you know, obviously there's a jealousy there, like like in any sport. You know, everybody wants them to lose now. And, you know, it's not so much everybody wants Oklahoma State to get beat. They want Iowa to lose. And, you know, obviously it was we, – we could beat – you know, Gable was winning national titles, but we would win the dual meets. Like um, I saw somebody post something the other day. When was when was the last time the best dual team in the country didn't win national? We beat Iowa one year when I was in college, twenty four to six in a dual meet, and they won the national tournament by fifty points. You know, but it was just also the seedings and stuff back then when I wrestled. It was, it was a little, it was a little different. It was more an international kind of setup, I think. Well, the seedings but, uh, back then were. Gable somehow was able to get this where you, you can manipulate the seeds where they weren't on our side of bracket. Well, and, and Big Ten guys wouldn't wrestle each other in the first round or the second up until a certain right, round. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you can't take nothing away from Gable, what he did. I mean, Gable had a philosophy, he had a way of doing things, and it worked, you know. And uh, today, 
everybody kind of lives that same life that I would live back in the 80s and 90s. And so that's why every, everybody's competitive today because everybody's strong and everybody's in great shape and everybody is mentally tough, you know. So, again, because of the way they've been brought up, you know, the kids and the, and the coaching they've had. So Gable just started it in the 80s you know, uh, late seventies, early eighties. And, and, uh, so he was, you know, he was more, he was ahead of his time actually. And that's why, but it, you know, it, it's still, it's still, you know, I don't care what Penn state does or Minnesota does or any team does. I don't think the rivalry will ever be as big as Iowa and Oklahoma state ever. Now, especially in those times, because you look at if we f- focus in on 1989 through 1997, right? Only two uh-huh. teams won national titles, Oklahoma State and Iowa. Okie State won in 89 and 90, and then Iowa won 91, 92, 93, Okie State 94. So it's like only two teams were even relevant at this time. Minnesota was coming on, Oregon State was coming on, but let's be real, it was Iowa and Oklahoma State. And, you know, 89, when Okie State won, Iowa finished sixth, right? And so the people in Stillwater had to love that. Um, one of the two of the storylines I'm really keying in on on this part two documentary is Alan Freed, Tom Brands. I've had both of them on. Really big fans of both guys. Um, Alan Freed credits you with his national title. Uh, to be honest with you, um, what do you remember of the perception of the brands of Tom Brands in the early '90s, kind of from outside looking in? Well, I was actually at Nebraska coaching against Tom and Terry. And, and uh, I actually coached against Allen <laughs> at Nebraska. And uh, we were talking about, you know, Freed is one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of kids. You know, I mean, he lost to two athletes in college his whole career. He lost to Tom Brands. And then I had a kid at Nebraska that beat him twice. I had a kid that beat him twice in college that never placed in the national tournament. And, you know, so he, he was in a once-in-a-lifetime deal. And then I had a kid, Jason Kelber, who, yep. you know, to, even to this day, uh, I think he's the second-best guy I've ever been around or coached in college. Uh because because of the you know he he looked at wrestling from a, the eyes of a coach, and after after his sophomore year, he was hard headed the first three years, and then when he started focusing on his technique and positions and stuff like a coach does, you know, because most coaches you'll hear, I'm a lot better wrestler now than I was when I was in college. Yeah, because you know you 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 start focusing more on positions and technique and. In wrestling, in high, in college, you're just you know you're just trying to go 100 miles an hour and go hard and just wrestle. You're not really focused. Well, Kelber was, and so you know Kelber beat Terry in, in the national finals in Iowa City, and then you know um, I coached Freed, like he said. I, I actually coached Pat and Allen at the Midlands one year um, when OSU was on. In I don't remember what happened, but. Somebody, they were in trouble, Oklahoma State was, and I was coaching at Nebraska, and Pat and Allen came to the Midlands, and I was coaching the Nebraska team, but I coached Pat and Allen at the Midlands, too, and um, there was a little bit of controversy about 
the Nebraska coach coaching Oklahoma State guys. But, you know, Pat was my brother-in-law, and I knew Alan from coaching him at the World Championships. And so, and then he beat Tom there. Pinned him. And so, yes. And um, so I've coached against Tom and Terry, and, you know, and actually I had a kid at Nebraska to beat John, you know. So, Gil Sanchez. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've coached against all those great, obviously Tom and Terry and John are, are legends in our sport, you know, so. But what was the perception of the brands? Like if you're, I mean, as a coach in Nebraska or even at, at, they were done when you were at Oklahoma State, but if you're at Nebraska, I mean, obviously you recognize them as good athletes. You're probably focused on Caliber and your guys, but yes, at the yes, same time, true. you kind of got to think, like when did it? When did people think that the brands were going to be something special? Would you say out of the out of the norm? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously, there's been a lot of two and three time national champs. Um, not so much three timers, but um, um, two timers. And um, you know, they they were always great. I don't think they 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 looked like they were going to go to the next level at the international world level when they were in college. But um, back back in the 80s and ni- early 90s, you, no college athlete was ever in the picture at the open level. I mean, <laughs> it just didn't happen. You know, John was one, and I, I don't remember another one. Maybe Nate Carr years, or the Carr family? Uh, Jimmy, yeah, but, you know, uh, hell, I think that was even before college. But, you know, college athletes just couldn't compete with open-level athletes at that time. Um, So, you know, seeing Tom and Terry wrestle, I mean, they they were good, but did you think they were going to be world and Olympic, you know, champions or whatever? And, uh, you know, it's it's tough to say because that's a whole different level. But, you know, the the thing – and today, you know, it's – the skill level today compared to 30 years ago or 25 years, is totally different. Yeah. I mean, it's totally different. Night and I day. Mean, oh, night and day. I mean, t- today, I mean, you, you, we have 40 entries, college entries at the National Open, you know, last month that, where they can compete at that level now, you know. But, but I think a lot of it is the training and strength conditioning and, you know, obviously coaching, you know. Yeah, at a young age. And – I know we have about oh, have about fifteen minutes left here, sir. Um, I have to ask. So obviously, you are related to the uh, what's the relation to the Smith family? You married uh, the sister. I married Kathy, John's older sister, and she's the third uh, of the ten. Okay, she's the third of the ten. Mm-hmm. So, so were you friends with with uh, John and Pat, or are you kind of a little bit older and more so like big well, brother type I've, thing? John was a ninth grader in high school when I was a senior. So I was three years older than John. And then obviously Pat was, you know, shit, he was young. He was, you know, 10, 12 years younger than us. Mm-hmm. So, but no, no. Oh, yeah, I knew him. I actually um, kind of saw one of the other sisters before my wife when I was younger. <laughs> when I was a, lot, a, lot, a lot, lot younger. It was more of a little puppy love deal, but. Uh, she was my age, so uh, Kathy's actually two years older than me, my wife. Okay. So uh, she was a senior in high school when I was a, a sophomore. 
What but, was old uh, Leroy Senior like back in those days? Was he tough or was he kind of easy going? Oh no, he was tough. You know, he 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 was tough. You know, again, it was it was the same kind of mentality that you know we just grew up tough in in in, in that era and that in Dell City, you know, and um, we weren't given everything. And you know, I grew up in an apartment from six years old to. I went to college. I grew up in a two-bedroom apartment wow. and with just my dad. And, you know, the Smiths, obviously, when you got 10 kids, uh, it, it, that's not an easy life. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a tough life, you know, to, <laughs> to eat and, you know, just survive. <laughs> so at what point did you, did you get roped back into Oklahoma State? Because I know you were there from 92 through 2000. But how did that all all come about? Because I know they were coming off probation. Joe C had left program in '93, was kind of in, in question, and then '94 they won again. But how did you get to Oklahoma State as a coach? Well, they they came back. Some of the alumni and and even Myron Roderick at the time, and and um, Joe C tried to get me to come back in. 90 and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it at that time. Um, and so then when John got the job, me and John, John was 19 years old, 20 years old. He had won his first world title. And I'd been coaching in college for five, six years already in Nebraska. And John was still competing. And we went into the camp business together. And so me and John had been in business. Obviously, I ran the business because he was still in college. Uh, but we, we started a camp business together, and it's, it's been, I guess, I don't even know now, 35 years. We're still in business together with the camp business. But, um, you know, that, that, that's kind of how I got back. When John was 26, he, he decided he was done competing. And he asked me to come back. If I wanted to come back and be the uh, his head assistant, and and so that's kind of how it, that's kind how it happened. It happened in '91, and then the athletic director in that time, OSU was going through the probation, and um, I had actually told the head coach in Nebraska that I was resigning and I was going to go to Oklahoma State, but I hadn't resigned yet, and. Then the AD shot it down and said, we're not hiring anybody until the investigation's over. And so I got, I went back to Nebraska another year and uh, luckily I didn't resign. I wouldn't have had a job. And I went <laughs> back and coached in, in 91, 92. And then John got hired and then I, I came back in 92. So that's how I came back. And then, uh, and then it was on. I mean, you guys had some great battles over those years. Um, with Iowa, uh, 94, like yeah. I said, you guys won. Um, and then in 97, you know, obviously you beat them in the national duels. That story has been told a lot. And then, you know, 97 nationals at Cedar Falls magic just struck and Iowa went on a crazy run. Um, what one match I'd love to hear your take on is, do you remember, I'm sure you remember it, but what do you remember from the Pat Smith, Tom Ryan battle back in 91? You know, Pat, Pat had that. Obviously, it was a great match and great, you know, but, you know, obviously, we were going through some issues with Pat academically and stuff. And, uh, 
he wasn't getting to wrestle and he had to sit out one semester, you know, like the first semester. And so he just come back and, uh, but it, I mean, it was, again, it was a great rivalry. Tom was a, Tom was a great competitor, you know, again, uh, an Iowa type kid, wasn't a great athlete, wasn't a great wrestler skill wise compared to Pat, but he was just such a great competitor, you know, that, that, uh, he made it. He made it a great match. He willed it. Uh, and, yes, absolutely. You know, and and uh, I I kind of compared Pat and Tom Ryan to Mark and Johnny Hendricks. Mm. You know, I I feel like Mark was a lot lot better wrestler than Johnny, but Mark just said there's not a better competitor in the world than Johnny Hendricks, and that's when he was in college. He would say, you know, I know I'm better, but that guy is such a freaking competitor, it drives me crazy, you know, because uh, that's just the way Johnny was. Johnny Johnny did a lot of things wrong, and, and but he willed himself to win every time, you know. Um, he wasn't the most disciplined athlete and, and, and stuff like that, but so I kind of compared, you know, those two kind of remind me of Pat and, and, and Tom Ryan when it comes to one athlete being a better athlete than the other one, but but uh, Tom was, you know, obviously that was Iowa though. That was that was Gable. What he what he could get out of his athlete, he would get him to, you know, compete and battle. And um, he did it with several athletes. So no question. Um, I know uh, we're winding down here. I just have a quick, a couple quick rapid fire questions for you. One is, um, if you think you said something earlier that I wanted to come back to, it was. Alan Freed or Jason Kelber might be one of the, you know, the top two guys he ever coached. Who was the the top guy in terms of just flat out? Well, best? when I say coach, I mean I mean wrestled. Okay. Um, Jason, Jason, uh, he could have been a phenomenal, phenomenal international wrestler just because of the way he's built. And I mean, you're talking about a guy that was five one and a half and weighed 160 in the off season. Holy shit! And and, and he's just you know, he was he was a pig farmer from Iowa, and he, he just was he was so 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 strong. How tough was that know, guy? Huh? How tough was that guy? Oh, he was. I mean, he was just phenomenal. You know, the thing is, is I worked out with John a lot when John was training for the Olympics, and even even after Randy beat John the first time, John came to Lincoln and trained with me and Gil Sanchez. You know, before the final trial. And so I worked out and I wrestled with John a lot, you know, when he was younger. And um, obviously John was probably the best guy I've ever wrestled. <laughs> and I've wrestled Kendall Cross and all these guys, you know, but Jason Kelber was the second best guy I ever wrestled in, okay. in my life. Okay. You know, after his junior and senior, I, during his junior senior year, not, not before that time, because he, he kind of changed his whole mentality of wrestling, but, uh, you know, and he beat Kendall the last five times him and Kendall wrestled. I mean, Jason was just at a different level, you know, and then, and even when he beat Terry, you know, he beat Terry 10 to 5 or something like that, and it was like 10 to 3, and then Jason gave up a takedown right at the end. But Jason was just so much stronger than everybody, and, and, and I was never worried when he wrestled Terry. I wasn't worried about strength ever. And I knew we was technically we were going to be better, but I said if you can match his conditioning, there's no way nobody can, he can't beat you. 
and, and he and he won it. You know, he won the match pretty easy actually in ninety. In I think it was ninety one or ninety two or I don't even remember. Ninety one. So did Randy 91. Lewis beat um, John Smith at the Open in eighty eight? He did. He wow. did in Kansas City. In Kansas City. Um, and then uh, and then he came to Lincoln and trained. And you know, obviously, we talked about making some adjustments and and things that he needed to do. And you know, John was still a young kid. You know, I mean, yeah. he was a young kid and, and still learning and developing. And and uh, you know, was willing to take advice. And so, um, you know, and then he made some adjustments and changes where you know he he didn't he just didn't go where Randy was good mm-hmm. and that's how he ended up just to know, think that Leroy Smith lost to Randy Lewis and then Randy Lewis has to wrestle John Smith four years later it's just you cannot make this stuff up it's just crazy to me how how connected Iowa and Oklahoma State are um second to last question Mr. Perry is I've had a lot of people on here talk about John Smith's mentality during a workout it was mm-hmm. completely different than when he was out of the room just give us some insight into how doggone competitive he was or how stingy he was in a workout. Um, well, you know, that, that's what I'm talking about where, you know, we, we try to tell athletes all the time that, that you know, you, you practice like you want to wrestle. And, and, it, and, it, and I'm telling you that 90% of kids don't do that. Even today, you know, it's just different. That's why – you know, I believe, and I'm, I'm working with a young man right now, and I've been working with him for two months, and, you know, everybody needs to be coached. And I don't care what they say. You know, Mike Tyson, when he was fighting, when he, when did he lose? When he got rid of his coaches and thought he could do it himself. You know, mm-hmm. and everybody, everybody needs to be pushed. Everybody needs to be coached. And, you know, John was one of those individuals that, you know, could go in and do it on his own. And, you know, his training is, you know, totally different than what you would say, you know, because everybody thinks, oh, John Smith trained hard. But John's training wasn't like an Iowa training where, you know, he's going to run the stadium for an hour and a half or, you know, he's going to lift weights and he's going to grind it out. John's was more, you know, like the way he wrestled and and moving his feet and faking and, and, uh, working on his skill level and stuff like that. But, you know, John's a one in a million guy. I mean, it's, you, you, you can't, you can replicate some of the athletes that like Gable had and make them do that. It's hard to replicate what John did. You know, it's just, he had some things in his arsenal, obviously his flexibility is, you know, his mindset. And and like you said, he, he was, he was tough. I mean, he got that from growing up with his with Leroy and his dad, and you know, they instilled a toughness. And, and when he came, when it came time to compete, you know, I, I feel like all our boys are kind of that way. But when it comes time to compete, he, he knew it was time to compete. You know, so mm-hmm. his training was a little different because John could do it on his own. You know, like I said, John could go in, and he was self-motivated. And, you know, I I think Chris was kind of like that, you know, where they were – they didn't have to have a coach to push them. And, and John was definitely that individual, you know, where 
John was focused on what he wanted to do, and he focused on wanting to be the best in the world, and and he did it all. Basically, he did it all on his own. You know, I mean, uh, he didn't have great workout partners here. You know, when he when he was here, so he did the things that. Uh, the, the conditioning is a totally different kind of conditioning for John Smith and everybody else. You know, I'm not sure John could bench 135 pounds when he was wrestling. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't a, a, a horsepower deal where he had to be in there lifting weights all the time because that just wasn't him. And, and same thing with, you know, Mark, my, my son, he was, he was stronger than heck when he wrestled you because of his length. And John was the same way. He was so strong when he got to your leg, it was like crazy. You know, and then you'd go in the weight room and you'd be like, you know, this guy can't even bench his own weight, you know, but. Uh, How does that make sense? How does that make sense, well, Mark Perry? I don't get like, that. It's, it's like, you know, it's it's like Dave Schultz. It's the same thing. The, the, those guys at that level and even the Russians and you, you'll see guys that don't have the, you know, the bulging muscles and they're stronger than crap when you wrestle them. I mean, they are so damn strong, you know, and. And John's like that. John's like that, you know, and not grab you strong, but when he gets your leg, you know, it's like, dude, this guy is, he's like a gorilla, <laughs> you know. He, he could just suck you in and you couldn't sprawl, you couldn't get your leg back. You know, it didn't matter how much you could squat or how much you could bend. It didn't matter because, and Dave was the same way. Obviously, you look at Kenny Mundy's body and you look at Dave Schultz's body. I mean, it was like, Come on. Well, he's going to run over, he's going to yeah. run over this little pudgy guy. And then if you ever talk to guys at Russell Dave, they would talk about how strong he was, you know? Um, I just think, you know, and I, I think another example of a guy even today is Bo Nickel. Look at Bo Nickel. He doesn't look strong, but every guy he wrestles, it seems like he just bullies him. Or well, how know, about Ben Askren? Him. That's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, Ben's, Ben's the same way. Ben's the same way. Everybody, you know, I've talked to, I think Chris has worked out with Ben before, and and he said, yeah, he's stronger than crap, and he's strong, you know. But a lot of his positions, you know, they like you, you. John would never let you get him in a position where you could use your horsepower against him. You know, that was the thing. If if he if you got him in an underhook, that's because he wanted to be there. If you if he lets you grab his head and try to pull on him, that's because he wanted you to be there because mm-hmm. he. He would grab your elbow. You know, that's what John wanted. He wanted your elbows anyway, so he'd let you grab his head. You know, so Tom and, you know, guys like at Iowa, John's a bad matchup for those guys, you know, just because they want to grab you and he wants you to grab him. And then, you know, he was just, like you said, he was was as stingy as they get when it comes to, when it comes to competing. And, um, and, and uh, obviously, like I said, John John was a great competitor too. I mean, that was the the biggest thing is uh, obviously he had a, he had great ability, but um, John was more of a self teacher. You know, a lot of his stuff John learned, and a lot of stuff John did. He was he self taught himself. That's so you know? rare, though. You know, it's like man, unbelievable when it happens, and it it happened you know over and over and over. Last question, Mr. Perry is, and I ask everyone this, you know, the name of the podcast is Wrestling Changed My Life. And so naturally, the last question is, how did wrestling change your life or what life lessons has the great sport of wrestling taught you, sir? Well, obviously, you know, it's like it, 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 
it's the same thing for every wrestler. It teaches you, you know, discipline and it teaches you, you know, structure and it teaches you. I got a, I got a athlete that I coached in college and he's a very, very successful businessman now in, in, in Ohio. And every time I talk to him, he, he credits me and John for the lessons we taught him. He was, he was not a great wrestler by any stretch. He was a walk-on kid that never, never placed in the Ohio State Tournament. But he's very, very successful because of wrestling. And it's like he said, without wrestling, I would not be as successful as I am. And I'm the same way in my business, you know. I mean, wrestling teaches you to work and not be lazy and, and, and you know, discipline and structure. And, and you know, like I was up at 4.30 this morning, you know, and, and – and a lot of that's just getting up and working out or, you know, getting up and doing things. But wrestling is so good for discipline and structure in your life. And, and you know, I, you know, I raise my kids that way about being disciplined and doing everything hard and doing everything the best of your ability. And, you know, when you're not involved with wrestling, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna raise your kids that way you know uh, one story les miles is a good friend of mine and kathy miles and and all my kids were great athletes i mean even my daughter was she's probably the best athlete of all of them and they asked me one time how is your kids such great athletes you know and i said well a lot of it is the way i raise them i'm hard on them but my, my approach to them never cause conflict with our relationship you know and you'll see that in a lot of parent coaches that at the high level you know where it's so you know the the tension is it's hard to coach your kid it's really hard to coach your kid but i was harder on my kids trust me than my athletes you know because you you expect perfection from your kids and so you know i I live my life the same way, you know, I, I, uh, my nutrition program I'm on now, for example, you know, you'll hear people go, well, you can have a cheat meal. Well, that's not me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) when I I do things, I'm 100% in. I don't cheat. I don't cut corners, you know, and that's all from wrestling. That's all from wrestling. It's all what you learn. It's all what you preach. You know, I, I, you know, the biggest thing to me as a coach or, or a mentor to kids or whatever, it, it's all about discipline. It's all about structure. and It's all about not trying to cheat it. You can't cheat this sport. This is one sport you cannot cheat. And you might think you can, but in, in even the greatest, the greatest of athletes, if you try to cut corners, it's going to get you. It's going to bite you because you can't cheat this sport. And I live my life the same way. You know, I, if I work out and I'm 58 years old and, and, you know, I still try to push myself as hard as I can push myself at 58. It's just in, you know, it's, it's what ingrains it in your body and in your mind through the rest of your life. So, and that's what's helped me be, you know, successful in my businesses. You still get up at four thirty. So you get up at four thirty every day. Well, I did. I did this morning, but I had I had to be somewhere at six thirty to to do something with a kid, and then I got to do it here again at nine o'clock with him. But 
and I had to go buy some materials for my business and take them to a house and then come back here to do the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I run on about five hours a day. Yeah, I run on about five hours of sleep. What's your uh, what's your what's your diet? You mentioned. I gotta ask. I'm I'm always curious about that kind of thing. Oh, I kind of live. I mean, I kind of on a keto diet. diet yeah. You know, where I'm very low carbs and and uh, it's and and you know it's. It really does give me the energy I need. Um, yep. I'm, I'm probably in the best shape I've been in 20 years. And so it's, I don't really call it a diet. I just call it a nutrition plan, you know, and because I, cause, cause I eat all I want. You, you eat all you want and you drink all you want. I probably drink eight to 10 pounds a day. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably in the best shape I've been in 20 years. It's amazing but, how much cutting out the, the white flour does that. I do the same thing. Oh, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, and I, I, in these kids, you know, you take out salt and sugar in your, in your diet or your eating and it's crazy how much, you know, you sweat and how much weight you lose and how much body fat you lose. And you're, you, it's really not a, that's why I call it a nutrition plan and not a diet because if you're hungry, eat. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, and especially if you're an athlete, you know, you, if you're on it, if you're on it as an athlete and you're training, you, you better, you better be eating a lot, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously wrestling, you know, without wrestling, um, to, to me and my family, though, it's it's all about discipline and, and uh, you know, it's teach us a toughness. My daughter, you know, I mean, she's tough on her kid. I mean, she's got a baby girl that's three, and even even her, you know, she's tough on her kid because <laughs> the way she grew up. I mean, you know, her baby will fall down, and most parents will be running over there grabbing them. Are you okay? And, you know, she just says, get up. You know, it's just, you know, it's not about, you know, for us about babying and making things easy in your life. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, it, my relationship with my boys was never stressed because of wrestling and I pushed them hard, hard. You know, I, I, I pushed them really hard and, you know, a lot of parents would say, Hey, Mr. Perry, we want you to work with our kids because your kids are so successful and and I was like, do you want me to treat your kids like I did mine? You know, and then parents were like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, then, then you know, your, your kids' chances of being successful probably aren't going to be the same, you know. And, and again, it's, it's, it's a work ethic, you know. It's all it is is a work ethic, you know. And that's what wrestling teaches you. It teaches you discipline and structure and, and work ethic if you're serious about it you know and, and you really focus on what wrestling does to individuals well know. said sir well said it's been an honor to talk to you i hope we get to meet in person here soon i just want to thank you for your time today sir you bet appreciate it have a great day take care thank you so much for listening to the wrestling change my life podcast we've done it folks another episode in the books if you want to follow us on social media you can go to Twitter, it's Ryan underscore N underscore Warner. And on Instagram, it's Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again soon.